1: episode of Kennedy Saves the World. And today, uh, we're going to be talking about God and whether or not he exists, if he's dead, or if he's just extremely sleepy. It is obviously a debate that has raged in theological and atheistic circles for generations. Uh, it culminated in a question on the 1966 cover of Time magazine, is God dead? And a lot of people went, huh, maybe. Maybe. And a big atheism movement was not born, but it took flight at that point. Um, Obviously, one of the ultimate questions that human beings ask themselves, not only where are we here, but is there a God? And if so, how does godliness manifest on Earth? As someone who studied philosophy and philosophy of religion, this was one of my favorite things to study in college because people always came at it from very different angles and uh, they were very certain of their standing. Um, And I don't know what you believe or why you believe it or how you came to those beliefs. I always think that that's sort of a, a fascinating thing is how people land where they did in terms of whether or not they are a theist or an atheist That journey is always fascinating and always very, very personal. Uh, But the conversation still continues to this day. And joining me, I'm very excited because he spends a lot of time thinking about this. He's got uh, he is the host of Socrates in the City, Conversations on the Examined Life, because, as you know, one of the most famous Socratic quotes, the unexamined life is not worth living. I had that engraved on a flask and gave it to a philosophy professor. He was not terribly impressed. I thought it was very clever. Um, he also uh, hosts his own nationally syndicated daily radio show, Eric Metaxas. He is the author of the brand new book, "Is Atheism Dead?" Number one New York Times best-selling author joins me now. Eric, welcome to Kennedy Saves the World.
0: I can't believe I'm here. Thanks for having me, Kennedy. Now, listen, I told you this when I met you at Freedom Fest. I like you because I like your attitude. You're open minded in the best sense. And I think that um, it's important we're open minded when we're talking about the big issues. And when you talk about things like the existence of God, you get a lot of people that they really haven't looked into it or it's, they they have attitudes based on anecdotal evidence, or they met somebody who was like a religious nut, and that was enough for them. And I think we're living in a new day. There's been an absolutely astonishing amount of evidence from science, ironically, which points unequivocally to the existence of a god. I don't think there's it's even debatable once you've looked at the evidence, but a lot of people don't want to look at the evidence because they would rather stick to the idea that that question has already been settled. Not only hasn't it been settled, but uh, it's it's never been more open. So it's it's we're living in exciting times.
1: So I saw you and Michael Shermer, who is, you know, the moral arc. He's a, a famous atheist. And, you know, he makes a lot of assumptions about what people believe, how they came to those beliefs and what they should believe. Um, and so there's oftentimes a lot of moralism Within atheism, uh, which is funny because you're really supposed to somehow magically generate your own morality, which, you know, that's one of the things that Plato points out is, you know, the the moral forms are cross-cultural and they are eternal, you know, goodness, courage, truth. Those exist everywhere. Th- those are not suggestive subjective things that a few people plucked out and sort of apply to their lives. Um, But that is, that is one of the foundations of atheism. Um, My problem with Michael Shermer, I don't, I really truly don't begrudge atheists. I don't care what they believe and It is so not necessary for people to believe what I believe. I I think that it truly is so incredibly personal, even if, you believe with every fiber of your being that to know God is to know some, the most objectively real thing uh, that could possibly exist. It's still not important for me that other people feel that and other people know that my problem with atheism is uh, the rote ways that they diminish believers by saying, how silly of you to think that there is a man with a beard who lives in a magic castle in the clouds. And, you know, that that's not a claim that I have ever made. Uh, uh-huh. It is incredibly simplistic, um, but that is one of the straw men that atheism rests upon. Do you find that that still endures? I heard Michael Shermer say that just a few weeks ago when you were debating. Yeah.
0: Well, no, but th- th- that's what I find so telling. If you believe something and you know something to be true, why do you need to be so nasty toward the people who don't believe it. Uh, I I think that many people, atheism is for them a very deep seated religion. They are, they cling to it almost uh, as, as though it's everything. And you think, listen, why don't we just talk about what's true? Why don't we talk about what we can know and can't know? And if you want to be an adolescent about it and like make faces and say, I'm stupid and I'm anti-rational. I mean, y- you can say anything you like. It's a free country, but it tells me something about where you're coming from if you have to resort to that kind of thing. And the, the reduction of the idea of God to like, you know, a dude in the clouds with a beard or whatever, th- that's so stupid. It almost tells you, It does tell you when people say things like that, they're not really interested in the truth. And it reminds me, I mean, I I should say that in the book is atheism dead. First, I talk about how science just astonishingly, insanely points to the existence of God. When we were kids, maybe that wasn't true. But in the decades as we've been growing up, the evidence from science has become crushing. So it's a big headline that most people don't know that. And they act as though science is at odds with faith or faith is at odds with rationality. That is dead. That idea is preposterous. It's not true. Science has been pointing to God really dramatically in ways that most devout Christians have no clue. So I I said, I've got to put this in a book. Uh, But at the end of the book, I talk about what you were just touching on is Let's look at atheism. We've had enough time now over many decades to look at the history of atheism. And the picture we see is about as ugly and inhuman and cruel as anything we've ever seen. If you want to complain about the Inquisition or the Crusade, whatever people want to complain about, you know, religious hypocrites have done terrible things in the name of God. Okay, great. But now let's look at atheism. And I have to say that it is just unbelievable, the record of atheistic regimes in history. And so in the book, I I just say, let's be honest and let's look at the history of atheistic regimes. Let's look at the the biographies of people who were devout atheists. How did that work out? Where, where, Where did they come out? But I think we also have to be honest. And this is, you know, when people are as Michael Shermer was, was doing talking about morality as though we can just make up our own morality. And you think, well, that's like saying, I'm, I'm going to make up my own meaning. uh, And I'm also going to make up my own money. I'm printing my money in the basement. And that's just who I am. I don't need you to tell me, you know, about, you say, wait a second, we're talking about meaning. Meaning is not something you can make up on your own. Now, if that helps you live and you don't want to deal with the reality, okay, again, it's a free country. But we're talking about things like meaning and whether whether life has value. If you want to say, look, the Bible is garbage, God is stupid, I'm going to say to you, okay, then where do you get the idea that racism is wrong? Where do you get the idea that all human beings are somehow equal or that life is sacred? Or do you believe that we are absolutely nothing? And that all that matters is power and that those who have power get to crush those who have no power. Because if that's what you believe, we're going to have a problem. You're going to create a society that is not uh, full of freedom and justice. And let's have an honest conversation about that. And a lot of people don't want to have an honest conversation about that. And For me, the funny image that I get, I talk about Galileo trying to get people to look through his telescope And there were plenty of people that were like, you know what, Uh, I don't think so. I don't want to look through your telescope because I don't want to be influenced by what I see. I would rather go along in my ignorance than now be responsible for the information that my eyes take in through your telescope. And I kind of feel that way with my book and with a lot of the evidence from science. It's if you dare to look at it, you're going to learn some things. You're going to be shocked. But there are a lot of people that they're so invested in a world without God that they frankly don't want to they don't want to know if there's evidence they would rather not hear it.
1: No, but they they want to assign a different name um to the same phenomenon. And you know, I've I've always thought that was really funny. People are like, "Well, I'm not religious, but I'm spiritual." And you know, it's like the universe, the universe always provides. And when I have a problem, I put it out to the universe and it's like, "Oh, really? What's this universe?" thing <laughs> you're
0: telling yeah, tell me you, about this universe? Yeah, Does this universe, this universe have a beard? Yeah, this universe
1: seems to seems to have <laughs> Some wisdom, Uh, and and there there seems to be some agency with this universe. So I, you know, it's like, and that's fine if that's how people want to identify and that's how they feel better. I don't have a problem with that at all. I, I really, truly do not. But I think it's very interesting because when you talk about science, and you know, the more we learn about, let's say, the Big Bang theory, the more we learn about string field theory, the more we learn about quantum mechanics. Um, it's interesting because the idea of the God of the gaps, which is one of the arguments for atheism is, um, God was only invented to explain things that didn't have an answer. So when we stumbled upon something that we couldn't account for, we would say, oh, that's God, that's God's work. That's God's mystery. Uh, we can now move on. So that's the God of the gaps, but you know, what you are finding and what other aspects, even if, if they don't, you know, they don't necessarily have to point to a Christian God, uh, but right. they 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 all point to something that has intelligence and a creative capability. So and and that negates the idea of the God of the gaps.
0: I mean, honestly, a lot of this stuff is funny and it's one of the reasons I like you like you get the humor in some of this. People are just wriggling away from the idea of a God. I don't know why, because they want to keep sleeping with their girlfriend or boyfriend. Like, I don't know what your reason is, but have the guts and the courage to look at the facts, dare to look at the facts and make up your own mind. Stop playing this game of, you know, religion is just a crutch or whatever. I mean. The question is only whether it's true. Uh, is there a God? If science points as dramatically as it does to God, and you don't want to face that, then my question is: Why don't you want to face that? What is it in your life that makes you say, "I can't handle this truth. I don't want to look at this truth. You're stupid. Go away." I I just find it kind of funny that the, the shoe is on the other foot. The script has dramatically flipped. And I mean, I would even say that in this book, I don't even touch on string theory or quantum theory. I I keep it really simple. I talk about uh, the Big Bang. I talk about the fine tuned universe, stuff that like anybody could understand and, and be interested in that in the last decades, the evidence is just mind blowing. And I would actually say. The, the evidence we have proves there is a God. Now, if you want to talk about, okay, I don't like that idea or, or who, do, who is God or what then we can have a conversation. But the idea that you could say, we know there's no God, if you're honest, I don't think we can say that anymore. So I think there's some people that they're, they're struggling with that, but I, I put it in the book in such a way that I think people can really just understand it and just kind of get up to speed because it is absolutely dramatic. Christopher Hitchens, I, I, don't know if I mentioned it, he was asked once, what's the best argument for the God side? And in a rare moment of candor, because he could be really nasty when he debated about that, but he, in a rare moment of candor, uh, he said, oh, without any question, the fine-tuned argument, that's the one that gives all of us on my side pause. And the evidence for the fine-tuning of the universe, it is insane. It is so amazing. And it didn't exist really very much over you know, the the 20th century, but toward the latter part of the 20th century, ironically, since the Is God Dead, you know, uh, magazine, Time magazine cover, in a sense, since then, the evidence for fine tuning, it's everywhere you look. And a lot of scientists, when they're honest, they are freaked out. They say, this really looks like a a, a superintelligence had to do all this. Otherwise, I don't have any other explanation. At least let's be honest about that.
1: All right. We got more of this interview after this.
0: Precise, personal, powerful. Is America's weather team in the palm of your hands. Get Fox weather updates throughout your busy day every day. Subscribe and listen now at FoxNewsPodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: So what do you say when atheists uh, point to things falling apart? You know, it's like, sure, eyeballs were designed to see and focus, but a lot of people have to wear glasses.
0: Well, uh, that's a pretty ar- good argument. Suddenly I'm an atheist. No, um,
1: I, think <laughs> I didn't I, mean to do that to you, Eric.
0: Yeah. You just, you just blew my mind. I never thought of that. No, it's called, th- this is where you get into the question of evil and, and the fall where things aren't the way they're supposed to be. We live in a broken universe. It's why God sent his son to die it's why the bible is a story of redemption because things are screwed up things are not the way they're supposed to be there is evil in the world most of us if we're honest we know that we're selfish we know that we do bad things and so we need god to help us so the idea that my eyes are uh you know requiring of glasses or that i am aging or whatever we live in a broken universe we are meant By C.S. Lewis writes about this, that we're meant for eternity. So time and aging and death, all of these things are part of a broken universe. God wants to bring us out of this universe into eternity where we're forever youthful and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So to me... Uh, You know, there's a lot to talk about, but whether God exists at this point, as I said, to me, it's pretty open and shut. And I one of the strongest uh, arguments, one of the things that blew my mind when I was doing the research for the book, I almost couldn't believe it was that Jean-Paul Sartre and Albert Camus, both of whom were dedicated, super famous atheists, French existentialists in the middle part of the 20th century. Both of them were honest about saying we live in a universe with no God, we're alone in the universe, but they were honest about the fact that that's not a good thing, that's troubling. How do we say what is good or evil when we don't even have those terms? And if you think you can have terms like good or evil or meaning without God, again, you're blowing smoke and I'm gonna call you on it, you're totally blowing smoke. So these guys were smart enough to say, we get that, Uh, it's not a good thing if there's no God, we just think that's true. But at the end of their lives, both of them astonishingly came to faith in the God of the Bible. And I got to say, how come that was not a headline? How come we don't all know that the authors of these unbelievably depressing texts of French existentialism at the end of their lives said, you know what, it doesn't work. It doesn't make sense. There has to be a God. That's a headline. That's like a 20th century headline. And here we are, you know, a fifth but of the who, way. who
1: wants <laughs> to die a nihilist?
0: Well, and you know what? I'll tell you why, uh, Kennedy, because nihilism, I mean, I should say, atheism is all often put out there as this is rational and it's neutral it's not neutral if you say there is no god and you have the brains to understand what that means you understand it means there's no meaning and nihilism is the answer and nihilism is so depressing you if you're emotionally healthy you will want to kill yourself when you face it and so a lot of these guys understood you know what this doesn't make sense. The idea that there is no meaning somehow, and it's because they were created by a God to long for meaning. But even if they didn't know that, they said somehow this doesn't make sense. And these were the people that stared unblinkingly into the abyss of a world without God. They dared to do it. So people who are glib, Uh, whether it's Christopher Hitchens or Dawkins, whatever, they're very glib. It's almost like they're longing for the applause of undergraduates rather than wanting to really wrestle with these big questions. And I have to say that uh, the the big boys, Anthony Flew and Camus and Sartre, they saw that ultimately this doesn't make sense. And so that's another headline that the most famous atheists of the 20th century became believers in God. That is something uh, in the evidence for God column that everybody should know.
1: I had Michael Shermer on my show a few years ago and um, he was talking about how uh, belief is so anti-scientific and, you know, that's, that's the hill that he wants to die on. Um, I I disagree with that, you know, as, as a, Person who is a believer, but also someone who loves science and who loves learning, and you know, I, I try and understand the creativity within science, and it's it's mind blowing and it's incredibly satisfying because there are questions that can never be answered, but uh, the pursuit in and of itself is very satisfying, and and I feel the same way about contemplating the nature of God, and it I, I read Francis Collins book and you know it was it was very profound because at the time he had just completed the human genome project and he talked about as a scientist um you know it's like he was presented with miracles constantly and the more he learned about science the more of a reinforcement it was of the existence of god that's the the irony and i asked michael Shermer you know i i gave him a, a list of famous scientists who were also believers and they they weren't all believers. You know, many of them were cold, hard mathematicians and academics who felt like numbers and rationality are all that need to speak for existence, empirical and otherwise. But there were many who their belief was compatible with science. And I think that is a, a beautiful and complete aspect of humanity.
0: I, it's even funnier. And and this, again, I didn't really know this until I wrote the book, the book we're talking about, Is Atheism Dead? What I discovered, uh, maybe I'd heard it once before, but I, I totally forgot because we're dealing with the secular narrative that over and over and over says science is at odds with faith, science is at odds with faith. I discovered not only is that not true, not only does science point to the existence of God, but far more central, it was Christian faith that gave us the scientific revolution and what we call modern science that is inescapable that is historical fact that non-christians write about so this preposterous cliche this drumbeat of the new atheist that science is at odds with faith you you know you can shout that till you're till you're uh, blue in the face but it's kind of like saying you know uh, Columbus didn't uh, come over here in 1492. He came over here in 1292, 1292, 1292, 1292. Like you can say it over and over, it doesn't make it real. The fact is that, and I, I write about this toward the end of the book, it was Christian faith that led to modern science. And all of the people who invented what we call science, every major discipline, whether we're talking about Isaac Newton and physics or all the way down up to Maxwell, they were profound Christians. And I thought, so where did we ever buy this? Preposterous idea that science is at odds with faith. People need to understand that is absolutely not true and the facts bear it out. And Galileo uh, was the most sincere. I mean, he was so there's a lot of stuff, a lot of misinformation. And I mean, that's why I wrote the book. I said it's time we kind of reckoned with the reality.
1: Yes. And the church can be flawed because the church is run by men and men are flawed. And women. Yeah. Well, not in the Catholic Church, Uh, but the Catholic Church (laughs) does have uh, some of the some of the best um, optical telescopes in the world. A lot of people don't know.
0: Most of the nuns I know are are women. But seriously, human beings are flawed. They're screwed up. And so, yes, the history of religion is a history of human beings screwing stuff up. But, you know, let's look past people to the facts and let's deal with the facts. And then, you know, you you can... uh, you can decide what you want to do. But I think I just think it's time for a reckoning. It's it is why I wrote the book. Uh, I said most people will be blown away that they didn't know this because I was blown away. And I that's that's why I said I have to get this. I have to get this out there because people will hardly believe it. It's time we knew what the facts were
1: is the snake eating its tail, the atheist.
0: The, the cover of the book, uh, Is Atheism Dead, is a picture of a snake eating its own tail. It's called Ouroboros. It's kind of like an occultic symbol. But I think it, it stands for a lot of things that I refer to throughout the book. But the idea that if something is not true, it ultimately devours itself. It's kind of like wokeism. Like eventually it just eats its own, like the French Revolution, uh, you know. The reign of eventually. terror. We're in it right yeah. now. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Thank you.
1: Well, I think it's a fantastic book and uh, I really, I love your writing and, you know, it's like just continuing to contemplate these things and learn more and more and, and layer this information is so valuable. And I want to thank you for being a part of the podcast, Eric Metaxas.
0: Well, I want you to, th- I want to thank you for having me as part of the podcast. You're fun to talk to, which is my highest compliment. Thank you, uh, Kennedy. I want to have you on my program I want to get even. We're going to get even with you. I'm going to have you on my program and we'll have some
1: fun. <laughs> Wiener Nooner. All right. The book is Atheism Dead. This has been Kennedy Saves the World. I'm Kennedy. For more podcasts from my friends at Fox, you can go to FoxNewsPodcast.com. You can subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Oh, go ahead and leave me a review while you're there. I'd love to hear what you have to say. You've been listening to Kennedy Saves the World on the Fox News Podcast Network.